We're back with a new season of Jones and Wolf, a monthly audio fiction podcast featuring original music. In season one, we told you stories about a heartbroken television collector, a tech entrepreneur in Washington, D.C. who developed an addiction to honesty, and a time traveler who came to our present to reveal the truth about Kim Kardashian. Now, in the first episode of season two, we present for your approval a story called Kendall Power Off, where we introduce a man who's willing to embrace an experimental technology to try to free himself from the grips of obsession. Enjoy. When Rashad finally went ahead and had the Kindle installed, he told people that he'd been meaning to get his drinking under control for a long time. There had just been one night too many, he'd say in a somber tone, when he'd woken up on a bathroom floor after promising himself he was just going to have one or two beers. Yeah, he'd say with a deep sigh, he finally had to admit to himself that he wasn't going to be able to do it alone. He needed the help one of these auditory implants could provide. Of course, there wouldn't have been anything wrong with that, had it been true. The Kendalls had remarkable success rates with alcoholics. In Rashad's case, though, the customization he'd asked for in his implant had nothing to do with his drinking, which was, admittedly, a bit out of control at times, and everything to do with his obsession with Kendra McNamara, his former manager at Evergreen Consulting, the grand dame of the mixed signal as far as he was concerned and the origin of the crisis he'd been suffering through for the last year and a half. Only now, with the Kendall's help, was the shame and desperation that had so unmoored him starting to subside a bit. Not that the whole thing still didn't bother him. It did. It just wasn't as intense as it had once been. After he'd been forced to sign the letter of resignation crafted by Evergreen's legal team, a letter that contained an entire clause that he had to initial, paragraph by paragraph, promising there would be no future attempts to contact Kendra in any way, it was fair to say that he had hit rock bottom. The Kendall had proven to be the voice of reason during those dark days, talking him back to reality on more than one occasion when it seemed like a totally natural thing to pass by the train stop closest to Kendra's house, when he thought she might be walking home, or right before he was about to send her one of the dozen emails he'd drafted, trying to explain himself and why he'd gotten so carried away, referencing, among other things, the night they'd spent dancing together at the corporate retreat, when she'd kissed him, half on the lips, after he'd walked her to the door of her hotel room at the end of the night. By the time he'd worked himself into a full frenzy, half crazed at how illogical it all was once you laid the facts out like that bare on the table, feeling more and more confident in his conviction that Kendra must simply must share at least some of the feelings that he had for her. That was when he would hear the wonderful sound of the Kendall powering on, a deep vibration that signaled its activation and soothed him almost instantly. Rashad, he would hear in his mind, is this really the choice you want to make? And no matter how many times he would scream back, fuck yes it is, or try to reason with it, explaining that Kendra had been flirting with him for months, months before she'd half kissed him on the lips. He could already feel the impulse to get in touch with Kendra, to see her, to smell her brown hair or kiss her on the cheek, drift further and further away, as if the whole thing had been as real as a dream he had just woken up from and was already in the process of forgetting. 
And so, a year and a half later, and not a single attempt made to contact Kendra directly, Rashad was willing to go so far as to say that he was starting to feel almost good, like the world might contain a few shreds of hope amidst all the darkness and despair. What the hell? There might even be another woman out there he might actually want to spend time with. What was it that Kendra had told him the night of their corporate retreat? That all the women in the office had crushes on him? They probably had, too, before he'd been forced to resign. He was a desirable man, after all. He worked out three days a week, never drank soda, still could hang with the college kids when he played basketball at the park. His sadness only reached its apex at night after he'd finally let go of his phone and crawled into bed. That was when it got bad. When he lay there and went through the mental tape of what had happened during the two months after the corporate retreat. The happy hour he'd gone to with Kendra, for instance. The way her knee had brushed and then settled against his thigh. The absolute stellar performance review he had received from her. You've been one of the most dependable members of this team since the day you walked in, she wrote, followed by a winking, a winking emoji. And then the week where he looked down and realized it was quicksand he'd been standing in all along, already up to his waist. And by then, it was too late. He'd gone through those memories so many times that the images themselves were starting to fray, leaving him to wonder, on top of everything else, how much of what he remembered was real, and how much was he filling in with details that made him cringe a little bit less every time he played them back in his head. But the mornings, the mornings had started to get good again. And as Rashad put on his suit, checking his profile in the full-length mirror of the suite he was staying in, getting ready to smoke a cigar with Marshall, one of his old college roommates, on the day of his wedding, the thought popped into his head that he might have a glass or two of champagne with one of the bridesmaids he'd noticed at the rehearsal dinner the night before. Maybe take a walk with him around the estate post-reception and see if he couldn't conjure up a little magic. You're the man, he said to himself in the mirror. You got this. That's a great attitude, Rashad, his Kendall said, the soothing voice vibrating somewhere deep within his inner ear. Weddings are venues of possibility. Think of today as a gateway into the positive unknown. Okay, he said tossing the tie back on his unmade bed. He was going to play the afternoon casual, sauntering through that goddamn gateway the moment he laid eyes on it. Damn it, I will. Later, at the ceremony, he kept his hands busy, fiddling with the program, rubbing his knuckles against his stubble while he waited for them to get on with it. You're doing fine, his Kendall said to him. Breathe. Relax your shoulders. Focus on the external, the things happening outside your memories. And so that's what he was doing, trying to get excited about one of the bridesmaids making her walk down the aisle, even though, if he was being honest, he found the strange cut of their purple dresses unattractive, like something out of an 80s music video. And that's what he'd slipped into, a daydream about Kendra in neon leggings with a side ponytail dancing around a bunch of animated VHS players, when the bride started to make her walk, and he saw that it wasn't just a fantasy. She was actually right there in front of him. Kendra, that is, in a wedding dress, with her parents on either arm. 
Oh, what the fuck? He said out loud, sinking back into the pew. The couple sitting next to him, an older pair, possibly Marshall's aunt and uncle, looked at him aghast. He couldn't pull it together enough to apologize. In fact, if he was being honest, he didn't even remember saying anything out loud. The words had just rushed out of him, like the air from a deflating balloon. It's just not possible, he thought. And yet, there she was. Same green eyes, same smile radiating toward Marshall. There was even the little infinity tattoo behind her ear, still there, the one she'd gotten when she was 16. Her hair was styled the same as it had been the last time he'd seen her, too, when she'd reluctantly gone outside to speak with him from behind the security door of her apartment building, the night he tried to apologize for all the messages he'd sent out of the blue, the ones where he'd tried first to ask casually, and then outright begged her to go on at least one date with him. Remember the retreat, after all, the half-kiss on the lips, and then, standing in front of her security door, trying to explain himself, stammering about how he just had to get these feelings off his chest because he'd been thinking about her almost non-stop ever since. The way she'd looked at him with such, such pity was something he would never forget. An expression that made him feel that if he'd somehow been born in feudal Japan instead of Morristown, New Jersey, that the only honorable thing left to do would be to perform ritualistic suicide. Instead, he went home drank what was left of a bottle of mezcal and passed out on the bathroom floor. It was the following day that he was met at work by the director of consulting services at Evergreen, who gave him the letter of resignation crafted by their legal team and waited with him quietly while he read through each page. All that came rushing back the instant he saw Kendra in her wedding dress. And all the effort he put in for the last year and a half with the Kendall suddenly felt worthless. He stumbled out of his pew, stepping on toes, kneeing whatever limbs were in his way until he was outside. He took huge breaths, sucking cold air into his lungs and walking across the expanse of the estate in the direction of the renovated barn where the reception was going to be. I'll go back to the suite and pack up, he thought to himself. I'll just get the hell out of here before this gets any worse. And that's when he saw it. The placard set up at the barn's entrance congratulating Mr. Marshall Nunez and Miss Bethany Richardson on their journey into matrimony. Kendall, he said, his hands suddenly trembling. Where's Kendra? There was a slight pause. I'm not sure I understand. Is she here? Was the bride I just saw? Was that Kendra? Hey there, a waitress said to him, smiling tucking a strand of hair behind her ear while she walked toward him from inside the barn. We're just getting set up. Apps aren't for another hour, but I can grab you a beer if you're thirsty. Rashad stared at her, his mouth agape. The short brown hair, the nose ring, the infinity tattoo. It was Kendra again, standing in front of him. Hey, are, are you all right? No, Rashad said. What the fuck is going on? He meant the question for his Kendall, but of course, the waitress assumed he was talking to her. Excuse me? Sorry, it's just, who are you? I work for the catering company. No, listen, just answer yes or no, 
Is your name Kendra McNamara? Rashad, his Kendall said. Maybe it's time to take a deep breath. Yeah, he said. Yeah, okay. He put his hands on his knees and breathed deep. The waitress watched him for a moment and then backed away slowly, retreating back inside the bar, looking over her shoulder every second or two while she called out the name of her manager. Rashad, meanwhile, was on the verge of hyperventilating. There has to be some defect with the Kendall, he thought, his heart pounding in his temples. Something's malfunctioned. It must be stimulating the wrong area of my brain. Don't worry, Rashad, his Kendall said. I'm right here with you. We'll get through this together. Trust me. He heard a second set of footsteps coming toward him. Hello there, sir, the manager said. Is there something I might be able to help you with? The manager's voice was undoubtedly male. But as Rashad looked up from his shoes to his face, there was no man in front of him. It was Kendra again, looking at him concerned. And Kendra behind him, the waitress he'd spoken to first. Rashad stumbled backwards, and then, without saying anything at all, turned and sprinted back to the lodge. He ran past the groundskeeper, glancing up briefly to see another surprise expression from Kendra, riding atop a lawnmower. Your heart rate is above 170 beats per minute, Rashad, his Kendall said. Why don't you find a quiet space where we can meditate together? He kept sprinting, blowing past a mother and her daughter, an 11-year-old girl with the adult face of Kendra sitting grotesquely atop her pre-adolescent body and tried not to make eye contact with anyone else in the lobby. He knew she was all around him, though, Kendra behind the front desk. Kendra sitting in front of the fireplace, sipping hot chocolate. Kendra talking loudly on her phone, her laughter echoing against the walls. Your heart rate has now exceeded 180 beats per minute, as Kendall said. This isn't healthy. Let's lie down in a dark room for a while and calm things down. He ran up the stairs, locked the door of his suite. Customer support, he thought. I'll get them on the phone. I'll tell them what's happening with my Kendall. I'll get to an implant facility. I'll... And then Rashad saw his reflection in the full-length mirror in his room. He crept closer, slowly caressing the sides of his smooth cheeks in disbelief, fingering his hair, the edges of his lips. All of a sudden, he was filled with tranquility because there she was in the mirror, Kendra looking back at him, her face not embarrassed or shocked or full of pity, but smiling, laughing even, so happy to see him. You've been going through some big emotional swings today, his Kendall said. Would you like me to contact a physician on your behalf or lead you through some relaxing yin yoga? Kendall, power off. There was a short, almost dramatic pause. Are you sure that's what you want? His Kendall said finally. Of course it is, he said, because he didn't want any more distractions. No more voices, no more judgment, no more rules. He was happy now. He finally had Kendra all to himself. 
obsession has a rather narcissistic flavor in Rashad's case, doesn't it? Kendall Power Off was written by me, Anthony Jones. The story was narrated by myself and Elizabeth Weingarten. The music, as always, was done by Joel Wolfe. If you like what you heard, please share this story on social media or rate the episode wherever you listen to podcasts. This season, if you'd like to get in touch with us, feel free to drop us a line at jonesandwolf at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back next month with another story. Until then, my ephemeral friends, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.